Well, cheers, my friend. Cheers. Josh Beebe. Welcome back to Tabby Hour. Hello, you doing? Welcome back to Tabby Hour. Thank you. Thanks you know you were the back. first you were the first guest we ever had on Tabby Hour. I did not know that until yeah. you just told me. So it's uh it's been a fun year. Yeah. And it's time for and a, a recap. What's happened in the last couple of months. So Yeah. Lots happened for you, lots happened for me. Yep. Tabby, Barley's. Yep. Everything. Yeah. Where do we start? I don't know. Well, let's recap. Uh so you've been at my restaurant all year working and and trying to figure out the integration and the back end of things i think that's something that a lot of people probably don't think of when they look at a new app like this the amount of research and testing and all the stuff that comes along with that and so which is obviously how you and i met and how i became the guinea pig a little bit uh but we we were able to come to an agreement and let you come in and play and so you have and and i think i've really enjoyed working with you over the year and and i think we've learned a lot uh by doing it this way um and i'm starting to see that the proof's in the pudding a little bit so likewise um you know the one of the when i first came to you and we did the event in august Mm -hmm. 28 or 21 we ran it through a Stripe connected account. We won't dive too much into the details of the technical side, but the Stripe connected account, and you were settling it the next day mm-hmm. between QuickBooks, and you said, "Man, this is just a pain. I, is there, can we not just do it through the existing processor?" And that was a pivot for Tabby. Okay, that actually may have proved to be one of the best pivots we made because we were trying to build all these other social things and mm-hmm. there's a lot of other stuff we can dive into, but making it go through the existing processor for you was the reason that we spent another six months building that's absolutely crazy because that's the first time i've heard of this (laughs) i thought we were still doing the stripe thing uh i'm a little bit behind on my reconciliations but yes that as an owner and an operator that was because we use stripe with chow now and it, it it's a headache and so yeah i think for for you trying to get an operator to buy your system and buy into the tabby concept it's got to be as user friendly as possible and that extra legwork is a pain so yeah i'd love to hear that 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 was good information well, and we, and we're keeping it free successful. we're keeping it free yeah for the bar and restaurant owner. exactly so why why char i mean brilliant yeah yeah well it's it's one of those do i want to go out and sell a hundred bar, bar owners to have this extra fee or do I want to put this in 40,000 locations? Yeah. I really built it because I want the experience from the other side of the bar. Right. I want to be able to open a map and open a tab anywhere in Greenville yeah. or anywhere in Atlanta or anywhere in Charlotte. We've got a ways to go. We're in one. Yeah. No, I know. So I was thinking about it just before I came over here. I was, I was at the Harris Teeter, um, having some wine to have a drink and i was i'm really excited about it so i want to tell my friends and my family and my friends live in australia and i was just like oh i can't wait and they're gonna be like oh what is it i'll download it and i'm like it's gonna be bloody useless to them (laughs) uh but maybe in five years from now or two years from now it'll be you know we fly down to vietnam for 
you know, maybe the street vendors can use Tavi in Vietnam. I don't know. But <laughs> I'm every, just saying. Every time I'm in an airport, I open Tavi. <clears throat> and there's, you know, usually I'm with my wife, so there's only one other user nearby. Right. Um, but it is cool because you can see all the venues that are there. Mm-hmm. Just imagine if, I mean, you might be in Atlanta airport at the same time I am, and we don't know it. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, Brad's here. Let's, yeah. Let's, let's go have a drink. Let's I wonder what his connection is. Yeah. Hey, where are you going? Yeah. Oh, you, oh, we're on the same flight. What do you know? So we actually talked about this a couple of weeks in a meeting, and I was like, how fun would it be if, if me and Jesse were going to Europe and you and Georgia were going to Denver and we were in the same airport but in different concourses and I'm looking on there and you're sitting at a bar and we have two hours to kill. It'd be so easy just to jump on a train, yeah. go down there and then go to that said bar and walk up behind you and tickle your ears and, yeah. you know, be like, surprise. All uh, the elements, though, in an airport. I mean, think yeah. about tab closure in an airport. Huge. Like, how many – I've almost missed a flight trying to get a tab. Yep. Like my flight's boarding, and I'm like, "Hey!" All of a sudden, you've got triple set. Yeah, and now and you're focused on that, and then you hear on the radio upstairs, it's like Brad Laughlin, <laughs> last call. Yeah. Yeah. That's actually happened to me before. <laughs> it's like Josh Beebe, uh, we're waiting for you, and I'm like, "Oh shoot, I got to finish that's, my drink." I mean, that that's tab. definitely not 2022. No. I just don't. They just go. <laughs> they now. go now. Or they're waiting. Or they're waiting on staff. Yeah, I sat on a tarmac for an hour and a half last time waiting I flew on a waitress. Yeah, yeah so, uh, I made the joke this. to the pilot. I was like, "Hey, man, I'll sling some drinks. Let's, yeah, let's, let's get, get going. this thing going." Yeah, no, that's great, and it does. It's it offers that social side, which we've talked a lot about. That is a really cool experience. The tabby aspect. Have you? I just thought of this, but I was. This is probably going back eight years ago now. And it was in Newark. I want to say it was in Newark. It was either Newark or JFK. And actually, I think it was JFK. But they came up with a system in the airport that was 100% iPad-based. And they had, I don't know how much money they spent on this, but every restaurant, every bar, and every uh, like waiting area at the gate, the gate area, every seat had an iPad. And you could sit down, and it had, within, you know, a geofence or whatever they call it, they had the list of all the menus and all the drinks at said restaurants, and then you could order it from your seat, and then it would get delivered to you, and it was all paid for. You put your card in. It was great on a... It's like top golf scale to an airport. Right. But the worst part is when you actually went into the airport restaurant, is every time you wanted a drink or every time you wanted something to eat, you had to re-swipe your card, and it was a separate process, which you all know comes with a separate fee, and it was just a pain in the neck. And last time, we were just up there two weeks ago, and we were in that airport. They didn't have a single iPad in there. But I think it was... It's so much hardware. I mean, like so much hardware yeah, that I have to purchase. It is. It's ridiculous. I mean, I'm talking thousands of thousands of iPads. <clears throat> and it was a neat concept when I first saw it, but it's when I like used it, of it was clunky. It's like Ziosk. It is Ziosk, like Ziosk. I remember the first time I saw a Ziosk, I might have been in high school. Right. It's been around that long. And I, it was cool then, and it's like, oh, that's convenient. 
But why, when we all carry a device in our pocket, they can do the same thing? That's the game changer. And it's not like we're the first company to create a, a mobile checkout process. There's other companies out there that have done the ability to scan a QR code. A lot of POS companies have, but they're siloed, and that app only has one functionality. Mm-hmm. So why would I download that app and keep it on my phone, and then half the time you, I, there's restaurants that I forget to use these apps in? Yeah. And I'm like, why? What, what's going to make me open the app every time? And if you really dig down and think about the apps that you use – like, tell me the five apps you use the most in your phone, and I'd probably be able to relate it to it connects you to other people. And we had this conversation uh, the other day. The majority of the apps that are used have a purpose. And one thing we talked about is that Tabby takes care about five of those. So instead of having to go to five different apps and be like, where's this, where's that, what am I doing here? What I love about Tabby is it's bringing it all together. And so it starts from the social standpoint. And again, there's different generations that we all share the world with, right? And everyone has a different thing. All my kids grew up on Snapchat. Me and my peers grew up on Facebook. When my kids got to a point of social media, I'm like, Facebook? You're going to want a Facebook account? Nope. Yeah. I want nothing to do with Facebook, right? Yeah. They were the Instagram, Instagram generation, yeah. and then they were the Snapchat generation. And then the other one that, that my kids, my kids are 20 and 19 now, and the one that they still use is Find My iPhone. When Find My iPhone <coughs> turned into a social thing, that thing was designed so when I lost my iPhone, I can go in there and I can find it. How many people do I they share it with? Jesse loses her iPhone. I can go in there and find it, right? How many people do, you, do they share that with? Well, them? I was going to get to you on that. That's kind of my point, right? Then as parents, when the kids got a certain age and they're going out, all my friends as parents were like, okay, you can have the freedom to go out, but I'm still your parent and I need to know what you're doing. So we're going to share find my iPhone and we're going to be able to have the ability to track you. Now, for me, that's creepy. When my ex-wife wanted to know, put me on find my iPhone, I'm like, that's just creepy. Why? Why do you want to know where I'm at every minute? Is there a trust issue there or whatever? Um, and moving forward in a modern day, I, I would never do that with my friends. It's just it's bizarre and weird to me. But my 20-year-old and my 19-year-old, they probably have over 200 friends. Like when they open up Find My iPhone, you've got to zoom in because it's just a bubble of dots. Really? Yeah. So I know they do the Snap Map like that, but the, the Find My I only do with my wife. Right. I don't, I don't know. But they – so, again, you've got Snap Map. You've got all these things, right? So Tabby brings this element of if you're friends with someone – right you can see what bar they're at drinking and i've always said from day one you know if i'm really busy at work on a friday and i know that me and my friends go out every friday night after work for a beer it eliminates the process while i'm busy in meetings of like oh where is everyone what are they doing i can just jump on there and see all of my friends in this tabby circle or at this bar i don't need to pick up the phone and call anyone and be like hey what are we doing tonight and talk about it i can just get in my car and drive there and find my friends that was the literally the the way we designed it was i only want to share my location yeah 
when I want to be social. Yeah. I don't need you to know when I'm at home or where I live yep. in some cases. Right. Or when I'm at the grocery store or when I'm at, you know, I don't need you to have me on a map. But if I'm at Barley's having a beer, come hang out. So explain to me how that works. How did you design that? Like when I walk into the bar, it goes ding. Oh. Yeah. So when you enter, uh, so we populated on a map all of the the places using an API, Google. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have the location ID of every restaurant in the country. And this is live nationally today. Yeah. Uh, and then we pinpoint the user's location and just create geofences around every location ID. Every location. So when you're within 150 meters of a location, we're trying to figure it out with what the right, because think about how close, if you look at a map, how close is Trapdoor and Barley's? Very. <laughs> They're in the same building. So the map, the on the map, the I can tell you from from experience, it's they're 25 meters apart. Okay. So if a user's at Barley's, they're within 100 meters of both of those locations. Right. So we're having some hard times defining which location they're But the thing is, if you know your friends, you know, I've got a group of friends, and if it's <laughs> Friday night and we're going out as a group, it's going to probably be, I'm going to find them at Barley's because pizza and beer on a Friday night yeah. for that specific group. Now, if we had been talking about going to Trapdoor with a couple or something, then that would be a different thing. So I'd, I feel like I would have the information and the foresight to know which location that we're in. We're going to make it better, though. Yeah. So we're creating a manual check-in process. If you want, okay. back to 2004, you can go check into the location. Or, as soon as, I mean, the better solution is just create tab integration in every bar in Greenville. Yeah. So that when you open a tab... It shows then, you boom, a you're there. Yeah. So it's, that's really the pain point. And it's been, it's been overwhelming to see the feedback uh, upstairs at Barley's. And even if people, as we've gone out to neat and sip and talked about the social piece of Tabby, there's, there's been an overwhelming amount of like, Hey, thank you for creating this. Mm-hmm. This solves a pain point that I didn't know I necessarily had. Yeah. Cause you never think about it. You think, Oh, it takes forever to close your tab. But until you like see a better way to do it, like an Uber, yeah, hailing a cab is terrible. Yeah, but now that I can just have this Uber come to my anywhere I want, and it tells you exactly how long it's going to be there, and it's a better way to do it. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean that that's innovation. That's how technology moves forward in the world. And I mean we're we're just simplifying bar tab closure. I couldn't imagine what Elon's doing. And all those well, the guys, crazy but. thing is, is that's what you've always sold it on. That's what the name reads. It is based off of. Tab closure. Yeah. I mean, that is the concept of the name. It's in the brand. It is the name. But what it brings is so much more than that. And that, I've told you from day one, that's more exciting to me than than even the bar tab closure. I might be a little different from other restaurant owners, but I love the fact, and again, you you mentioned earlier that, that it's free to the restaurant and you're trying to make it a low cost thing but we've also talked about the ability for the restaurants to be able to promote specials so it's monday night and it's quiet hey we're going to do a you know extend happy hour for another hour or something gives a bar owner an op- operating pinpoint to say hey there's 500 people on tabby three weeks three blocks away how can i get them into my bar and that's obviously a part of the way that you're going to make your money is, hey, for 10 bucks you can promote this thing or do it. Um, one of the things, one of the POS systems that I have used in the past that I really liked is, is the ability for it to 
you walk into a bar and it pops up and says, hey, we've got drink specials tonight or we've got food specials tonight. And that's something that could be integrated into it. And it's really an app that can really be customized and, and that we can continue to work on together and, and get it to a point where it's just like, it's just got everything. So instead of going to Facebook and talking about like, oh, where are all my friends? Instead of calling 10 people and like, what are you doing tonight? The tabby aspect obviously is the most important part and that's the hardest part that we're still developing and working out the kinks because it's the most important part. But the social aspect of it is brilliant in my opinion. It, even events. Like mm-hmm. my wife and I struggle on a Thursday, Friday, Saturday night when we want to go to you know, this specific bar. Hey, is this food truck here? Or is this bar have this music? Yeah. Does this place, are they doing this? What's go, what are the... Why is all that not in one place? I have to go to each individual Facebook right. page. Yep. And then they forgot to, the manager forgot to update it. Yep. And then or they it got canceled and they didn't change it. So it's almost like a live and you know how do you how do you curate that information? Obviously somebody has to put that information in. But it's the it's <clears throat> it's much more real time than anything yeah. else that's happening. To where I'm near your bar, I'm at Carolina Ale House, and you're able to send me a free pint or a half-off pint and an appetizer at Barley's because I'm close by. Right. Vice versa. Because I'm a regular at Barley's, I get these special promotions mm-hmm. that you spend out, send out to your regulars. It's, it's just never existed in real time like that. Not to mention all the, the staffing crisis, potential solutions there and... The funny thing is you and I go back and forth on a lot of things and there's a lot of ideas and that's what we do and it's fun. This just got me a new one and I'm going to drop it to you right here on the podcast. Awesome. But we have talked about the the ability and it's something that we might want to look into because this would be cool to me. We've talked about the idea that I'm sitting at the bar at Barley's and I see one of my friends. So let's say you're sitting over at a table and I can tell you're in a business meeting or you're having dinner with Georgia and some friends. And I want to be like, oh, I want to send Brad a drink. I can easily do that and I can get it dropped off in front of you. How cool would it be if we could integrate it where you were down at Carolina Ale House and I was at Polly's and I got on there and I was like, oh, Brad's down there. I could buy him a drink from Carolina, drop it in front of you. But You're telling, I'm you're telling different- all my secrets. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I'll shut up now. No, no. So that's that's actually so. <coughs> oh, oh, how cool would it be if my best friend Scotty is up in New York and he's out having a beer with some mates, and we just had a talk for the first time in a month, and I can send him a beer through Tabby in a bar in New York. Yeah, payment but payments different. Payment different. no, it's it's yeah. coming. Yeah, it's coming. Like literally, that's in the roadmap right now. We're building. That's it. lovely. Um, the ability for me to see that you're out in a location already exists Mm -hmm. and that we're friends and I can send you a transactionable item through a message that's connected to. And so there's two different versions. There's version one that we're going to have to scale, but version one unscaled is I can send you a peer to peer payment in a picture of, I can see the menu of that bar that you're in. Let's say the bar is not integrated into tabby. 
Because mm-hmm. that's going to, I mean, we can't be in 70,000 bars overnight, right? No, yeah, it's yeah, going to yeah. take time to scale that. But what I can do is say, hey, Josh, I see you're out. I see you and Jesse are you know, having dinner at this place. Would love to buy you guys a bottle of wine. It sends you a picture of a bottle of wine. It's on that menu. You can change it if you want, but it's a $50 value. Okay. $40 value, so whatever. a gift card. It's like sending a gift card in real time, but also, but for bars that are integrated, so coming soon, hopefully to Barley's, which yeah. is where we're going to test this first, yeah. is that I can send you a beer and it is bought through the point of sale to your phone, paid for in my tab from home. That's so cool. now we're creating transactions that don't exist from the, from the bar. hundred percent. And that's, that's something that I saw happen before the pandemic. There were a lot of bars around Greenville and that, that had a big whiteboard. Yeah. Uh, and you can go in there and I can be there and I know that my buddy Johnny goes and drinks there once a week or once a month. I can buy him a beer and they write it on the chalkboard or on the whatever. And it's like, Johnny Z has a free beer and it's prepaid for by me before I leave. And next time Johnny's in, he looks at the board, sees his name up there and he's like, oh, someone bought me a beer. Can I have it? So again, another aspect that I think, you know, with updates and more future of this, all different ideas that could be really cool. You could have like, oh, someone bought you a beer for the future. You have one month to go to Bali's and and cash in on this beer. So, I mean, I think like, again, we're a year in it and we're sitting down for the second time and we're brainstorming again. It's just ridiculous. It's always fun though. It is great. But back to where we're at now, Yes, we have the bar side of it integrated at Bali's and it's working seamlessly that we can see upstairs and downstairs. We're running into submissions. And what's unique about it is that it's through the existing payment processor. Mm -hmm. I I don't think people even understand payment processing unless they've owned a bar. Um, But any bar owner or restaurant owner is pretty, they're pretty specific about their payment processor. They've spent time choosing that. The rates vary vastly. Yeah. And so, you know, DoorDash. And it's something you got to work real hard for, you know? Yeah. you got to build relationships and get better pricing and all that. Well, and then the, I call it this, the surge of delivery. Yeah. The, the door, I mean, pick one. They're, they're all, they all exist. They all require a third payment processor. Now, companies like Toast have done a great job of putting all that in one package and then requiring their payment process. But... We just we we want to be completely agnostic to the POS companies. We're not trying, you know. A lot of people that have tried to do what we're doing on the tab side have quickly become point of sale companies. Yeah, tabbed out's a great example. They got bought by Union. They're a point of sale now. You can order. Yeah, they've, they've created a kitchen and restaurant ordering point of sale delivery service okay. that's mobile. Great, but. As the as a user, as a, as an end user, as a customer, as a bar goer, a restaurant goer, that's not the experience that I really want. I don't want to walk in and order on my phone. Now, some restaurants are moving in that direction, and, and for QSR and fast casual, I think it may work better. Right, and for some instances, but definitely not fine dining. <laughs> definitely not fine dining, or even uh, casual dining, where I want to go and be in inter- have an experience. Yeah, it's that's an experience. I want to go to trap. Like I would not want to sit down at trap door and no. order on my phone. Not at all. Part of the experience is how well versed the bartenders are mm-hmm. in all of the different beers and foods. And so it's funny we talked about that. I think there was a shift in restaurants probably about 20-odd years ago. 
um, where the food was the only thing that mattered. 20 odd years ago, it was furniture didn't care, didn't matter if it looked like crap. The service was kind of important, but you know, as long as you were getting the bare minimum, it was okay. But if the food was outstanding, then you're going to be successful. But that was back when families ate at home a lot more around the dinner table. And if you're going to eat out, it was kind of like, oh, we're just like the kids had sport tonight. Let's just run out and grab something to eat, whatever. But as people's money became more valuable and there was dual income families and all the things going out to eat became more of a thing. And as it, and less and less people cook at home anymore. And I think that's maybe something COVID may have changed because they kind of had to, you know, didn't have the option to go out anymore. But the thing that I'm saying is, is somewhere in the last 20 years, the dining experience became a three factor event. The food still has to be phenomenal. The service has to be even better because, quite frankly, people are paying a lot of money to go out to eat. It's about the experience. And with that being said, it's got to be clean, it's got to be healthy, and it's got to be beautiful. And even if you're on the lower end and you you look, you know, even the pizza joints and stuff, they're hip, they're cool, they're colorful, they're trendy, and they've got... You know, there's a lot more thought put into the furniture and the decorations and this, that, and everything else. And then the staff has to be top-notch and the food has to be perfect. So all of a sudden, the restaurant industry went, I'm not just going out for a meal. I'm going out for an entire experience. And so, yeah, that's where that that takes it away a little bit is if you go to that full-service menu. And we did that up in Raleigh when we went, to a hockey game and we went to a little wing place and it was a hole in the wall and there were three there were almost more people working there than uh, than there were customers and we had to order our food on an app so that's I mean that's ultimately not what Tabby wants to do is creating an ordering experience at the table and we talked about that last week or two weeks ago we were recently up in New York and we experienced that and I was like that could be a great asset to tabby but again this whole process is just talking through things and i think that's where our relationship's been really valuable is that we actually live it and we've just come out of COVID, and we're now in the middle of the worst staffing crisis it's ever been and it's worse than COVID ever was for pretty much i would i can't speak for everybody but i know everyone in my business is um and it's dreadful we were talking earlier about how we just my managers show up with a t-shirt on because we're probably going to be waiting tables or working in the kitchen or washing dishes. Um, it's funny I say that because it's written on my business card. <laughs> I'm jack of all trades, dishwasher, whatever is needed. But I that mean, was kind of a joke 10 years ago that's turned into a reality. But Well, we talked about that in the first episode of like, that's where it all starts is you were a dishwasher yeah, and you move into bar management. And I think, I mean, that's been helpful for me and, and my my experience in the restaurant industry has been helpful. You can't. Yeah. It's wild to see people that know nothing about restaurants, or when you try to build tech for something you know nothing about. Exactly. But why would someone that's never worked in a restaurant try and build tech for that? 
And so and, that, and that was happens a, a lot. That was a big thing for me, me because when you first came to me a year ago or however long it was ago, and you had a team of three or four that were with you, and every single one of you guys' pedigree was, was huge. Your resume went back deep, and there's corporate, there's individual, there's all sorts of levels. And to build something like this, that's what's going to take you. You need everyone. And so for you guys to pitch me, I'm an, I'm a individual owner. It's it's not corporate whatsoever. It's a mom and pop shop. So my problems are a lot different to, say, Buffalo Wild Wing or, you know, some huge corporate restaurant that's going to want to incorporate this into 100 stores all around the country at one time. But they're all having the same problem. Yeah. But the great thing is... is Food cost, mm-hmm. labor, mm-hmm. sanitation, <laughs> staffing. Yeah. Those four things never change in the restaurant industry. No. That's it. But to be able to work with what we've been doing and have the freedom, I don't think you get that in a corporate environment. And just because something works in one space needs to be adapted and i think the next step for development is definitely trying to work with a a corporate place and figure out what those kinks look like uh we've figured out a lot and i think that was the best jumping off point uh well the free the freedom that you gave me was mm -hmm. i mean invaluable in addition to the feedback yeah yeah, I mean, just the other night, you're like, "Hey, what about this? You know, what what we can't go back and edit a ticket? Like, those are things that I don't think about sitting at yeah. one in the morning in front of a code base oh, at God. my computer. <laughs> <laughs> it's but but I I appreciate the the willingness, but you're thinking about it, and you're but it was when you and I were sitting upstairs the other night, and we started talking to a group of young guys. And it's like you saw the light. It was almost like a different light bulb go It was really off. cool. They loved it. They were into it, man. It's But it's it's exciting for me, yeah. too, because I'm like, I've been building this thing. Are people going to like it? Right. <laughs> and just, I've been helping. I feel invested in it now. And yeah. so to see that was great. And, and truly, and I told Jess and I told my other managers that same night when we discovered this little issue that it's not a – definitely not an issue for the user, but – potentially could be an issue for us and there's a way around it and it's not a big deal and we talked through it and it's really not a big deal whatsoever however it was something that we came up with and i told my staff that night i was like you run into any issues that you could think that could help with the development of this we need to let brad know i came straight up and told you and ethan was there and who's the pos guy and and we talked through it he was like it's not a problem and you and I talked about it, and you said that's a tabby problem, not a restaurant operation problem. So that's kind of the process that we've been going through. Um, well, and it's helping me define automations, right? So mm-hmm. as I build customer service, as I build venue support, as I build – I mean, because we're dealing with not only privacy issues and, you know, harassment, photo moder- moder- moderation, and, you know, profile the, – the social things that people are dealing with. Yep. Because imagine – we're not a dating app, but imagine moderating all the pictures on a dating app. And then somebody's harassing somebody and blocking people. And we're, we're handling all those things. In addition to my tab's not right or this restaurant owner, it's really easy with Barley's right. in one restaurant. And yeah. you can call me on my cell phone anytime. Right. 
But what happens when we have 25,000 locations yes. integrated? That's And those are the things that we're trying to be mindful of early mm-hmm. to, mo- to, to automate. And then you're also dealing with 20 to 50 different POS systems that all operate differently, and you've got to integrate into all of those and all those things. So... It's real. It's probably five. Most of them are similar. It's probably five okay. of the big ones. Yep. Um, but what happens if Johnny wants to... I don't know what my obsession with Johnny is tonight, by the way, but Johnny <laughs> runs some weird week thing and he wants to be a part of it. I don't know. I guess Johnny's got a pony up and... and uh, jo- I mean... <laughs> you can't update me. Update his no, I mean, system. No, so the reality is any... Most cloud-based systems today, all cloud-based systems can be yeah. integrated into. Yeah. And, and the majority of them go. The reality that way. is, yeah, I mean, the reality is, if you're in a system that we can't integrate into, you probably need to update anyway. If I can integrate into micros, a 3700 res. I think you're pretty good. You can, <laughs> you can integrate into anything. <laughs> That's funny. And, then, you know, our our biggest partnership focus is the NCRs, the Toasts, um, and we're, we're already in like 10. There's a lot of little ones that have been yep. built at Maitre D and Arrive and Lightspeed, Lavu, all those that we already have an integration into. Okay, but I don't know. I don't. Nobody I know has any of those systems. Right, and it's it's just been really fun to. I mean, it's it's been fun to get to know you and get to know. I mean, just because you're an interesting guy and you've you've run a really interesting business. But so what's what's do we want to talk about the last year for you? Sure. So uh, right. the 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 borough transition there. Yeah. Which if it's it, just my opinion, it's it's really a refocus for you back to trapdoor yes. and Barley's. Yeah. And those are to me have always been the like the sweet spot. Mm-hmm. Those are two great locations. Yeah, and I think if if we had done the borough downtown, it would have been a different story. Hundred percent. Uh, I've lived in that neighborhood for 20 years, and I've had every single person that lives there for 20 years ask me to put a restaurant on Augusta Road. Um, and that's a fickle crowd, man. It's it's really difficult, and that I'm very proud of what we built. I'm proud of the food, uh, but COVID hit eight months after we opened, and we spent you know 18 months just trying to survive with doing to-go meals for families, family-style meals. And then the government helped out, and everything was good, and then we got back on our feet. But it's eight months isn't enough time. It takes a good three years to build a solid restaurant. Um, and those first three years are absolutely critical. Uh, so for us to lose all that and then to come into the staffing, I mean, we... I think we talked about this last time. I know we did, but... You know, we went from 115 employees to on St. Patrick's Day laying off 90 people and going to, you know, a company of 20-odd people. And it was tough. And very grateful that the government bailed us out with the PPP and that was helpful and we wouldn't have survived in any of the restaurants or any of the businesses had that not been a thing. Uh, The fact that the government has created this, I think, created this unemployment problem uh, a little bit by giving them so much money uh, through the whole thing. And they've all come back entitled. But the other thing we were talking about the other day, which is really terrifying, uh, 
if the average age of the kids that work for me right now, let's say, is what, 20 probably? I would think. 19, 20. We're almost three years removed from COVID. So these kids were 16, 17 years old. In high school. Yeah. They're in high school. They have zero work ethic. They don't know what they're doing. They don't care. They haven't had to do anything for three years. Well, the world stopped. The world stopped from their 16 to 18. Mm -hmm. When you're usually in a job learning the lower level of work ethic, washing dishes. Correct. Working a drive-through window at 16, 17, 18. The world stopped and they went home. They were, they were, they didn't even go to school. Yeah. That's interesting. So there's a whole psyche of we're trying to, my team that we kept on that were pre-COVID, we're trying to teach and it's a really hard dynamic because you're trying to teach kids a way. Essentially, we're opening brand new restaurants yeah. and we've got to restart from the beginning. Because all the people we had three years ago, we don't have anymore. So the people who know how the restaurants run, how they operate, what is expected, what the demands are, what it is, they're all gone. And so they can't teach this next level. So we've got a bunch of brand new kids that essentially are 16, 17 years old, even though they're actually 19 and 20 in the work life and in that force, they're that age. And it's... It's difficult. Well, and the problem is the demand has come back. Yeah. So the, the demand, people are going out, people are making money. And Brad, there's not a day that I don't ask my peers in, in this business and, and also talk to my distributors and to my linen companies and my delivery and the chicken guy and the beer guys. They're all in the same boat. You know, we used to do all these beer events with our reps and they'd come in and be like, hey, let's do something. Now I have like five. We sell probably a hundred different brands, and I got like five reps, and they're all so busy because they don't have any other people that they don't have time. We see them once every six months, and so it's it's going to be a long waiting game. Um, if we were in charge of the world and we could snap our fingers and make the change that needs to happen, what's the solution? I, I mean, that's a that's the most difficult question in the I world right know. now. Cut off unemployment for, you know, we gave them so much more. So I think but that's not, that's not the solution. I mean, we were talking before we got into this podcast about the fact that, you know, 40% of our industry we lost during uh, COVID. This industry is very demanding. It's very difficult. It's very late nights. It's a lot of booze and for a lot of restaurants, a lot of drugs and, it's a lifestyle. Someone told me during COVID that I found very, very interesting. Um, it's almost like the restaurant industry is a bit of a drug addiction. Okay. And then all of a sudden you're forced to go to rehab. COVID. COVID. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, I don't need to go and get my fix. I don't need to go out at after work at midnight on a Friday night and party till three o'clock in the morning and then go back to my mate's house and drink a bottle of bourbon or whatever and then be No, it can over. be extremely lucrative. You can make a lot of money. Oh, you can. I th- and, and a lot of my people do make a ton of money and they don't. And, and what we tried to instill in my restaurants and which we were very successful at, when I first bought Barley's 20 years ago, uh, 
we had some regulars that were dealing cocaine out of my bar. I found out about that very quickly, and I grabbed all my staff, and we said, this is not a place you're going to work and do drugs. It's just not going to happen. I was like, I know that the, that this business is kind of leans that direction. I was like, but I gave him a very big speech, and there were tears, and I was just like, my children, who were at the time were, you know, two and three, I'm like, you're jeopardizing my life, my children's life. I'm not doing it. And we did. And that's where we had a really, really great team of people that that became a family. And we just built this awesome empire. And we had so much fun doing it. And that's, that's truly what I miss is the fun of doing it. And now we've just been through all this. And we're struggling with staff. And we've got a staff that don't care. And it just becomes very tiring and... I don't know. That's I have a thirty. I have a thirty thousand foot solution. Okay, but it's not. The details of it aren't aren't necessarily well thought out. But the solution is to professionalize the industry. Mm-hmm. How do we do that? There's a lot of money to be made in restaurants. A lot of mo- I mean, it's a seven hundred billion dollar a year business. Yeah, it's the second there's, biggest industry in America. There's money funneling through it, and it's not the owners that are making all that money. No. It's there's a there's a I mean one frankly in America we over tip which for the industry is great we're the right. only country in the world that tips as much as we do and and that's fine yeah. I'm not that's not part of the solution is professionalizing think about the, the and I'm going to be the, the smelly yellow cap from years ago taxi services yeah. Uber came in and professionalized that mm-hmm. and professionalized the ability for a single mom to be able to make money driving Uber while her kids are at school in yep. the afternoon, taking people to school, taking people to work, whatever she's doing. They created an industry out of nothing. Yeah. I think there's a lot of restaurant tech that could come into the picture and not just Tabby. Tabby's going to be a big solution mm-hmm. within that space. But I think a lot of restaurant operators need to start looking at tech and going, this is, there's a lot of solutions that need to be solved that could be solved with tech. So one of the biggest things that we've noticed over the last few years is, you know, COVID took the ability to come in and have that one-on-one experience with the server. Now, we were talking about that a little while ago, and that's a very huge part of our industry, right? But there's, for the last two or three years and moving forward, there's not an. We have one iPad at Bali's, and it's a Chow Now iPad. Chow Now integrated with Byte Squad, I believe. Yes, I think so. For delivery. So, for the first time ever, we have delivery that doesn't cost us an insane amount. Byte Squad's an of interesting concept. I like their concept. Yeah, I've had my issues with it, but, yeah, but it's a good one. Yeah. Um, From a consumer. And and that's one of the things we're looking at is do we go directly with Byte Squad or do we still just funnel them through Chow Now? Um, Byte Squad's argument is, well, if you had a Chow Now thing and a Byte Squad thing, then you're taking... But every time you put one of those iPads on your on your table, you're depleting your revenue. It's yeah, taken away from your profits. 30%? Mm-hmm. And so... The argument is from them is, well, you don't have to, you're, you're generating money that you wouldn't be generating already. And so yeah, 70% of nothing's better than 0% of something, right? 
That's true. <laughs> from that an economic true. standpoint. But from where I but sit. But from a cost standpoint, it's When tough. I sit, and this is what a lot of people don't know, and it was a very interesting thing that you said. Um, you said the restaurant industries generate an absolute ton of money, but the owners don't make it. And for those people out there that are watching this, because we've taken a lot of flack, when we're sitting there going, when I closed the borough, I was like, you know what? We were struggling a little bit after COVID. But quite frankly, when I closed the borough, I think I had eight employees for a restaurant that needed 30. And I just got sick of struggling every night. And I'm doing the same downtown. And I was just like, something's got to give. And so part of closing the borough was to try and save these two because it was just impossible. So I got out of that. But in saying that, for the people that don't know, a restaurant owner, if he is running the most efficient restaurant, okay, that you possibly can do, roughly, in my experience, the most money you're going to make is 10% of what you make. I was going to say eight, but yeah. Eight? That's what I'm saying. Most restaurants make <laughs> somewhere between five and eight, okay? Yeah. And, like, I'm talking the best-run restaurants in the world are running about 10%. To put that in perspective, so, and I'll throw the number out there, it's a, a restaurant is lucky to make one to two million. Mm-hmm. So restaurant operations, I mean, managers are getting paid 150 for big chains, yeah, for big places. Not, 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 no, no, I know that. But I'm saying like, making 60 but I'm saying whatever, you can that's own what a, we can do. You can own a bar and make less than a hundred thousand a year yeah. or around a hundred thousand a year. It's yes. tough. So if you're if you're doing two million in sales, you can expect to make about anywhere from one hundred and fifty to two hundred thousand, depending how good you are and how hard you work. And, and unfortunately, in twenty twenty two, that's just not a lot of money. It's not. So like it's, you said, it's, the big it's a lot of money. restaurants that are paying their managers yeah. one hundred and fifty grand a year, and me as an owner making one hundred and fifty grand a year. Yeah, I'd prefer to go manage one of those places where you don't have to do anything because <laughs> yeah. you've got six hundred million people. We have doing none of the risk for you. None of the risk, and you don't have the risk. So it's it's a conundrum in and of itself. But what going back to the borough thing, what really ticks me off, and what's happening right now, is everyone looks at me and when we put out there, sorry, we're having staffing issues and we just can't do it anymore. The amount of comments that came back. And the amount of comments that come through social media, well, if you want to succeed in your job, then you need to pay your employees more money and you need to offer insurance and do all the things, right? And They don't have business degrees. No, but <laughs> unfortunately, all our line cooks right now, they just, they just got the government paid them $900 a week to sit at home and do nothing. Yeah. After two years of that, they come back and go, well, I'm worth $900 a week, so that's what I want. So now everyone's demanding 20 bucks an hour. And in the restaurant industry, if we give them that, then the owner is making $0. And that's the conundrum of the industry that we're in right now. Now, And that's multiply that by 60,000 restaurants. They're all in that situation. Yeah. Now, anyone that works in a restaurant or has friends that work in a restaurant right now are going to watch this and go, screw you, you're the greedy owner. Because that's the attitude that they have right now. But the reality of it is, if you can make... So my dad was in advertising, right? His investment was, let's pay guys a couple of hundred grand to come up with ideas. 
be able to work on a computer and draw some pictures. That's advertising, right? And what does that take to run? It takes paper, computers, and that's about it, right? And then they're selling said ideas and said ads for 50 to 60% of what they're doing. So they're making, you know, they sell an ad for 100 grand and they're making 60 grand. We're selling an experience and we're making 10 cents on every dollar that comes through that door or eight cents or five cents versus 50 cents. And that, that's the conundrum. So I was on the board of directors for Green, uh, for, for Greenville for eight years. They always had at least two restaurant or bar owners on that board. And then everyone else was like an advertising or a marketing specialist. We had people from Michelin and all these big companies. And their solution every year, the new people would come on and be like, oh, we could make so much more money if we just made the restaurants pay more money back or whatever. It's like, why are they getting 40% of the tickets or 60% of the tickets? You're providing the experience. When I go to Fall for Greenville, I want to eat and have beer. Well, and these, these business people are like, this is ridiculous. Like, they're taking 72% of every ticket sold. Like, if we knocked that down to 50%, then we'd be doing it. And I just sat there as a restaurant guy, and I was like, excuse me, I don't know what you do for a living, but you obviously make better margins than we do. But if you start taking 50%, you'll have zero restaurants working there because we'd be paying you to be at the festival, and you wouldn't have a festival. Yeah. I said, so if you really want to succeed, probably let the restaurants keep 80% of the tickets and would be able to afford to do it better. Yeah. So it's it's a conundrum, and it's a really sad reality that people just don't understand the industry. And for those of that have, us that have been in the industry for as long as we have, 20, 30-odd years, one of the things we always talk about is there's certain countries that make you go to the Army for a year or two. You know, my buddy from the Republic of Georgia is like, you have to go join the army. He did the skiing branch because in Georgia they had like a skiing army. He was like, I can ski for a couple of years and I'm getting my stuff. But for those of us that have been in the industry, as long as we have, we, we feel like every single person out of high school should work in a restaurant we, for a year. It should be mandatory. We've talked about that on the podcast. Yeah. We've said there should be a mandatory stint. There really should. The <laughs> and then people would actually understand what it is that, that we do and probably be a lot more graceful for it. Um, well, Josh... We're out of time, brother. You and I can burn an hour quickly. We sure can. Cheers to you. Cheers. Always a great time to spend with you. I guess and, we'll uh, do a third one. We'll do. We're just going to keep doing it, man. Why not? It's, <laughs> we keep seem to be able to talk about stuff. It's. So. it's uh, I've never have, been accused of not being able. All to we find have to do. To all we like, have to do. <laughs> not at all. All we have to do is pour drinks and push record. Right. It's not like we have I'm to. In. It's hard. So. Anytime. Cheers, friend. brother. Anytime.